right. Well, that being said, um, you can make your way to Joshua chapter 14. So Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, the sixth book of the Bible. And let's go before the Lord. Father, we thank you for tonight, Lord, and the opportunity just again to come and hear from you. And we know that you're faithful to speak to us through your word. And we ask that you would do that tonight, Lord, that we would have ears to hear and eyes to see all that you'd have to show us, Lord. Father, you want to take us, well, you'll take us as deep as we'll allow you to go. Uh, You won't take us one step further than we want to go. So I pray, Father, that we would uh, have open hearts to allow you to work deep and take us deeper and deeper into our relationship and our love for you. And you do incredible things in our lives, Lord, and we'll experience things things that are eternal things, that, um, Father, that can't be found in any place other than in you. And, uh, Lord, we ask that you would just do that great work in our hearts and our lives tonight, Father, for we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, we're in Joshua chapter 14, as I said, and let me get my Bible there. Let me get that there. Remember, they are going through the land. They are, God is fulfilling his promises to the people. He said that he would give them this land. He told Abraham way, way back when, some 430 or so years earlier, that this is going to be your land. I'm going to give the people that here time to turn the ship around. But I know, because God knows everything, that they're not. But you're going to spend time and your family in Egypt And then I'm going to bring them out with a mighty hand and give them this land. And that's exactly what he's been doing with Joshua. And uh, they're in the promised land. Remember, we said it's a great picture of the Christian life. Uh, We leave Egypt, which is the world, which is the way we do things, our natural inclinations to act this way and do this way and be a part of this, all those things. That's the world. That's our natural selves. The Bible refers to it sometimes as the flesh, just the natural way of thinking and doing things. Well, God delivered us out of that life of just being in bondage to whatever we do or think or want or have and all those things that are going on in the world. He he saved us, and then he wants to bring us into a a spirit-filled Christian life, just as he took the people out of Egypt and brought them uh, into the promised land. We know on the way... He stopped for, they, literally for a whole year, they were camped by the base of the mountain that the Lord might teach him his ways and who he is. And then he says, okay, let's go into this land. But again, they had to go in by faith. You know, the, the first group that went up there, they just didn't have the faith. Oh, it's too hard. It's too difficult. There's no way this can happen. Even though they saw the miracle, miraculous hand of God part the Red Sea and bring the plagues on Egypt and all the things that he had promised, they, they saw and heard the voice of God literally on Mount Sinai. He spoke out the Ten Commandments and, 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 and so much more, and yet they still didn't trust God in the promised land, so they wandered around in life, like some people do. They just keep wandering and doing the same old thing, and wandering and wandering and wandering. And eventually, you know, that, that generation died out, and God said, okay, are you guys ready to go in? They're like, yep, we're ready to go in. And sure enough, they crossed the Red Sea, and God had been giving them victories all along. And so chapter 14, we've kind of got to this point, and I meant to get my pointer, but so the, the land that's kind of the darker shade there, that is what they've conquered so far. And the green was what's left to conquer. 
So remember, the Lord had given them great victory over all the powerful armies that had come together in the south, in the north, in the center of the, of the country, and given them great victories. And we've talked about a number of those um, throughout there. But they, they've had this territory now. Now remember, this is the, the Jordan River right here. And some of the groups of people, a, a, a small amount of them, said, no, we don't want to cross over. We're happy here. This is good enough. I don't need to go any farther. And so they settled over here. And, and, and the rest went over into across the Jordan into the, what is land of Canaan or the promised land. And so that's what they've done so far. And now the rest, the cha- well, a lot of the chapters tonight, we're just going to look at pretty much what they conquered and uh, uh, with a few stories in between here. So let's look at verse 1. And it says, These are the areas which the children of Israel inherited in the land of Canaan, which Eleazar the priest, Joshua the son of Nun, and the heads of the fathers of the tribes of the children of Israel uh, distributed as an inheritance to them. Then what happened was, um, well, they conquered that land, but uh, the major armies, but there was much more to do. And then let's start at verse 1 of chapter 14. It says, These are the areas which the children of Israel inherited in the land of Canaan, which Eleazar the priest, Joshua the son of Nun, and the heads of the fathers of the tribes of the children of Israel distributed as an inheritance to them. Their inheritance was by lot, as the Lord had commanded by the hand of Moses, for the nine and a half tribes. For Moses had given the inheritance of the two tribes and the half tribe of the other side of the Jordan, but the Levites he gave no inheritance among them. For the children of Joseph were two tribes, Manasseh and Ephraim, and they gave no part to the Levites, in the land, except cities to dwell in, with their common lands for their livestock and their property. So they had conquered that, and they were going to divide up the land by lot. And we'll talk about that in a little bit here. But for the Levites, they were not given a portion. Remember, just think of it. Remember, Jacob had 12 sons. Now, because Joseph and all that he did, when he was dying, Jacob said, listen, I'm not going to give you just one part of the 12 i'm going to count your sons ephraim and manasseh as mine so there ended up being if you would 13 children of joseph even though he had 12 physically but he added another one to joseph's line ephraim and manasseh so there was 13 now those groups when they came into the promised land two and a half of those people so two groups again everybody they could follow their their lineage down and you can read some of the numbers of them, somewhere 75,000, 80,000, you know, 100,000, you know, if you read them in numbers, and they probably have, you know, uh, maybe grown since then, of those families then would have an area, a territory that would be theirs. Now, um, uh, one of the tribes, half of them said, no, we want to stay on this side of the Jordan. The other one said, no, we want to cross over and live into the promised land. And so they were going to divide it up. Now, the only ones that didn't get a portion of land were the Levites. Now, you remember who the Levites were. They were the people that served the Lord. They're the, they were, the priests came from them. They worked in the tabernacle. They helped out there. They were the musicians. They uh, were the workers. They're the ones that moved it and packed it and carried it. So they were all involved in the service of the Lord. And so um, the Levites didn't get land. What they got was their inheritance was the Lord. Uh, again, the priests were able to live by what sacrifices some of the people brought to the Lord. They would get a portion of those. 
And again, when the tithes and offering came in, they would get part of that so that they could live on. And again, I think the Lord didn't want um, them to have the responsibility and worry about land and groups and judges and all those things that go with having your own state, if you would. Uh, rather, what they did was they, uh, you know, he wanted them to devote themselves fully to him. And so the other thing was that they were spread out through all the, all the groups, if you would, all the states, if you would. And there were cities of refuge. Remember, somebody could run. If they, if they killed somebody by accident, you were working, cutting down a tree. Uh, you know, the tree fell wrong and it hit a guy and it killed him by accident. You can go to one of those cities so that, you know, you'd be protected and they wouldn't take vengeance out on you. And he spread them throughout, I believe, the land so that, um, so that they also would be a witness and judges and help out people and, and be a witness to the Lord to all the groups there, what they should be doing and what they shouldn't be doing as an encouragement. Now, that's how they were all divided up. Again, you can see the groups of people, everybody that could follow their lineage back to, you know, whether it's Reuben or Simeon or Benjamin or, you know, Ephraim or, you know, I said these guys split up Manasseh, this west and east of them. But all these, I know they're kind of hard to see, all these names pretty much are all the cities that they, that they were given, including the square ones, which are the cities of refuge where they could run to and they were easy to get to in the land. And so all those, pretty much the names of all those cities, that's where they, that's where they would settle. That would be theirs. And um, so God spread them out throughout the people, again, so that they would be a great witness to encourage the people of the things of the Lord. And uh, they were there to help and encourage and judge and just be a blessing to the people. So they didn't get any property as, as such, just got towns and some cities and some land around the towns. And then um, we're going to visit somebody now that we haven't heard from in quite a long time. And let's read verse 5. As the Lord had commanded Moses, so the children of Israel did, and they divided the land. Then the children of Judah came to Joshua at Gilgal. And Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, uh, said to him, You know the word which the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, concerning you and me in Kadesh Barnea. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought back word to him as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren who who went up with me made the heart of the people melt. But I wholly followed the Lord my God. So Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land where your foot has trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. And now, behold, the Lord has kept me alive, as he said, these forty-five years, ever since the Lord spoke this word to Moses while Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now here I am, this day, eighty-five years old. As yet I um, I am as strong as the day... As on the day, I'm sorry, that Moses sent me, just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war, both for going out and for coming in. Now, therefore, give me this mountain on which the Lord has spoken this day. For you heard in that day how the, how the Anakin uh, were there and the cities were great and fortified. It may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said." 
Now, again, remember, Joshua and Caleb were the only two that believed, hey, we can go in when they first got up in the border of Canaan's Barnea. Hey, we trust you, Lord. Yeah, it's a beautiful land. It's great. It's everything you promised us. But, man, there's giants and walled cities, and it's, it's impossible. And Joshua and Caleb said, yep, they have big guys, strong walls, tough armies. Uh, and, yes, there's, it's fruitful and a beautiful land, but there's, you know, there's no way we could do it. But we have the Lord. So nothing is impossible. We trust that the Lord has got brought us this far. He's going to take us in. And of course, the other ones that reported there's no way we can win, discouraged everybody, and that's when they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. And now Caleb's saying, listen, uh, yep, I had to do that for 40 years, but now, uh, you know, after the wars now, it's been five years, Caleb comes up and says, I'm ready as ever. I want to receive the promise of the Lord. You know, sometimes we complain about the effects of others, you know, and, oh, I can't do this because of them, and this can't happen because of that, and I'm like this because of what they do, and, you know, sometimes we get, you know, complain about the effects of others in our lives, and and yet, you know, uh, Caleb could have easily been discouraged, because uh, I don't think any of us have ever suffered through 45 years of somebody else's problems, right? <laughs> Literally, for 45 years, he had been waiting. Not because of anything he did. Everything he did was right, but because of what the decisions of others, he was stuck in that wilderness for 45 years. But now his time's up, and he's not, you know, he's not talking about that. He just says, yep, I wandered out there, but now I'm as strong and ready as I ever was. 45 years later, he didn't get discouraged. Still ready to go. Guy's 85 years old, and he wants to take on the biggest guys in the land. Remember the Anak were the giants? They were the Goliaths. They were the nine feet tall guys that were huge. Uh, and they lived up in that hill area. As a matter of fact, it's down here what he wanted. And I know the map is a little hard to see, but um, it's right here. He, this is kind of goes up on a hill here. And he's part of the tribe of Judah. And he said, listen, the Lord said I could have this as an inheritance. It would be probably the toughest land to take. They were the, that was the place where everybody said, you know, there's no way we can win. And Caleb said, yes, we can. Not because we're great, but because we serve a great God. And he goes, I want giant country, the tougher, the stronger, the battle, the better. Here's Caleb's outlook. And listen to this. Big God, little people. Unlike the others who saw big people, little God. Remember that. We serve a big God and people are little. And sometimes we think the problem or the situation is so big and God's so little, there's no way to change this or make a difference or do anything. But Caleb's heart was, I serve a big God and people are little in comparison. And he said, I, I, I want to go for it. Even at 85, I want to go for it. You know, we, there's always going to be people around us who want to settle for, for less, who don't want to walk in faith and, you know, oh, that's okay, we don't need to do this. Oh, that's okay, you don't need to do that. You know, I was pretty discouraged. Um, Sunday morning, um, I came to church a different way. I, I normally just take Beach Street and kind of go down past the high school and come here. But I, I went out um, to, uh, to Main Street, 
uh, off Ohlone. I took Main Street and then went down and I w went past, uh, you know, first thing I went past was Landmark Elementary School. And the parking lot of the elementary school was packed. And I'm like, it's Sunday morning, you know, it's 8.45 and the, and the parking lot's packed. And up in the field are all these kids playing soccer. And I'm like, ah, oh, it kind of was disheartening to me. And then I, you know, I said, I went down to Main Street, turned right, and went by Ramsey Park. And every single, you know, they, they break the field up this way, you know, instead of this way. And there was all sorts of soccer games going on. And then I kind of swung back, you know, Callahan Park, and there was stuff going on. And I was thinking to myself, you know, it's kind of sad that, you know, Sunday has been relegated in a lot of ways just to, in a lot of families, um, to just doing sports. And, and if you want to be involved in, in sports, particularly it seems soccer, seems to be the Sunday sport and the Sunday morning sport. And I was thinking, boy, how discouraging it is you know, when they schedule everything uh, on a Sunday morning. I mean, there's a lot of people that, that, you know, have kind of come and gone here on Sunday morning because of travel, traveling teams and Sunday games. And, you know, these teams that they're on consume their whole weekends. They play Saturday and Sunday. They have to travel someplace or the games are scheduled, you know, half the time on, on the weekends of Sunday. So, you know, for two or three months or four months, they, they don't come to church because they have you know, these uh, uh, sports things. And, and again, it's just the enemy that just wants to distract people, and it's just kind of sad. And, you know, there's always going to be people who walk around who want to settle for less, who, who don't want to walk in faith and put sports and, and kids playing sports above really hearing from the Lord and growing in the Lord and the fellowship and, and the commandment of Jesus had that we fellowship, that we have a church. It's not my idea. Not some guy's idea a thousand years ago. It was Jesus. He established the church. And yet, in Caleb's life, he, he was around all sorts of people like that for 45 years and who didn't want to walk in faith, who put the Lord second or third or fourth or fifth, but you know what? It never discouraged him, and I like that. And I guess the question is, are we going to be like Caleb? You know? And his attitude, this is his heart as well. He said, unless God is in this, it's doomed to fail. I, I'm ready to do it. It's impossible for me, uh, but with the Lord, I can do anything. And I'm ready to do the impossible because my God is the God that does the impossible. And that's what he wanted. 85 years old. Remember that. And verse 13 said, And Joshua blessed him and gave him Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, as an inheritance. Hebron, therefore, became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kizanite, to this day, because he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. And the name of Hebron was formerly called Kirjath Arba. Arba was the greatest man among the Anakin. He was like probably the strongest, biggest, toughest, mean it giant guy. Then the land had rest from war. So no more major battles now. It was cleanup time, but the work was not to stop. Just because there was a big battle in the past doesn't mean uh, we're finished. The Lord had more for them to do. And so we get to hear from that great man Joshua, and we'll talk about him once more before he, he uh, falls off the pages of, of history here. Well, chapter 15. So it was, oh, by the way, here's the, the sorry, I did have a close-up shot. So here's Hebron. All this is the, the land of Judah, and here's the area that he said, hey, I want this. I want to take this, and that's what he did. Uh, verse 1, So this was the lot 
of the tribe of the children of Judah according to their families. So again, uh, Judah was now given their inheritance. This is your land. And what it's going to do, this is the area that you're to receive. Now remember, there's no more major battles. All the major armies had already fought them and lost. But there were still all sorts of people all over in cities and towns and farms and villages that they were supposed to uh, take care of. They were not to be in the land at all. The Lord says, don't leave one of them there because they're going to, they're going to, they're going to influence you in the wrong direction. And, and again, so there's no more major battle, but there was a lot of, if we would, so to speak, this cleanup that they had to do. And so now he's saying to this tribe of Judah, again, these groups of people that all could trace their lineage back to this one man named, named Judah. And, and so again, uh, these next 12 or so verses give you the boundaries to the land. Now you might think, this is kind of incredibly boring. Or why is this here? Or what's the point? Because if you look, you know, all the rest of the verses, it just lists boundaries from this place to this city, to the ocean, to the river, to this, to this, to that, to this. And you might think, well, why is this even the Bible? And why is this relevant? And why should I care? Well, I think there's several reasons. Listen, if you've ever bought anything, particularly, let's say, a piece of property, let's say you were going to buy a piece of property on the street down Green Valley there or something, or, or down East Lake here at the end here. You're, you know, you're going to buy the property. You're going to want to see, okay, it starts here, it goes back over here, it ends over here by these trees, and it goes over here. Okay, this is going to be mine. And, you know, it, you would look at, you know, the, the land or the contract buying it. This is what I'm getting. Wow, this is great. Wouldn't that be an exciting thing? And, and again, you, you know, find out, okay, this is it. Okay, it goes from here to here, and you look at it, and it's great. I mean, you can imagine how exciting it would be for the people to now, remember, as slaves, never owning or having anything, to now having property of your own and say, this is the boundary of all my large family, even though it might be, you know, 75, 80,000 people, but they were all related in some way, or at least for the most part. And, and, and now, how encouraging it would be to them. Just think of it that way. If you bought a piece of property down there, man, it would be, I'd want to know every little line on it. And the second thing I think the Lord leaves it here is, he's saying is, listen, I made a promise 430 plus years ago, and I made it to my people, and I'm showing you, I told you it would come to pass that when it came to pass, and it did, and I keep my word. Let me just remind us of that. The Lord keeps his word. If he kept his word for them, He'll keep his word for you. You and I can be encouraged by a bunch of cities that we don't know the names of. And so rather than read that, I'll just tell you, here it is right here. This is the area of Judah, and they received all this area that's right here. That's theirs. We'll talk about Simeon, who had some inheritance within that group. But this was their huge border. They had a huge chunk of land. And the Lord gave them that. And if you were to read all those city names you would pretty much be able to map that out. And that's exactly what um, he does here. And that's what he gave them. So now that's Judah's inheritance. Now, scan your eyes down to verse 16. And then we get back to Caleb. And Caleb said, He who attacks Kirjath Sephar and takes it, to him I will give uh, Asha my daughter as wife. So Othniel, the son of Kenaz, the brother of Caleb, took it 
and he gave him Asha, um, his daughter, as wife. Now, I, I love this about Caleb because, you know, he took Kirjath-Jerim or, or Hebron that he changed the name to it. And he took all that, but he wanted to take more land. And he said, listen, you know what? Whoever, uh, my daughter is going to be married, but whoever can take that area there, she, that will be your wife. Uh, she, she will be your wife. And again, um, you know, Caleb wanted his daughter to marry the same kind of man of faith he was, I believe. Here's another tough battle. Let's see who's going to walk in faith and trust the Lord to take this next area up here. And he wanted his daughter to, to have the same kind of a, a faith, strong faith that, that he had. I, I think that's a great example for us as parents. You know, we want uh, our daughters and our sons, for that matter, to, to marry people of great faith that, that, that love the Lord, that want to serve the Lord, that want to do things, walk in faith and do greater things than we did. And, and that's exactly what uh, Caleb is doing here. This guy would have to go up against giants and trust the Lord for victory. And so he did, and he married his cousin, kissing cousins, okay? Remember, he was the, he was the daughter of his brother, so that would, they would be cousins. And they became kissing cousins there. So great, another man of faith, trusting the Lord, and he wanted that for his daughter as a husband, and that's surely what happened. And it didn't end there. Read this next little section here in verse 18. He says, Now it was so... When she came to him, that's his daughter, by the way, we just spoke about, that she persuaded him uh, to ask her father for a field. So she dismounted from her donkey, and Caleb said to her, What do you wish? And she answered, Give me a blessing, since, I have given, uh, since you have given me land in the south. Give me also springs of water. So he gave her the upper springs and the lower springs. So her husband conquered this great land, and they wanted more. So he gave him more and she said, hey, if you want more, you can take this and you can take that. She asked for more and uh, more is given. Can I remind you what the New Testament says? We have not because we ask not. And, um, you know, the Lord wants us to come to him. And he wants us to walk in faith. And he wants us to come and ask for things um, and, 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 and to do greater things in our life. And he... I believe he always answers those prayers. Certainly it is here. He's a man of faith. She's a man of faith. The man she married is a man of faith. And they're just moving out in trust of the Lord. And what a wonderful thing that is. She takes even more. And, and then, again, it gives us some more of the cities all the way to the end of the chapter. And as you can see, there's just name after name after name. And again, we go back to our map. And you can look at some of those names on the map for the tribe of Judah. And so he's calling out these names uh, of the cities now within the area. He gave them the borders earlier, and then he said, all the cities within that uh, border are yours, and he lists them all name by name and village uh, by village. Now, I want to point out something at the last verse, verse 63 in that chapter, and it says this, As for the Jebusites, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the children of Judah could not drive them out. But the Jebusites dwell with the children of Judah at Jerusalem to this day. And it probably was to the day of when Joshua wrote this, you know, at the end of his life. So we see some cracks in the armor here. And I want to point this out because we're going to point this out in the next couple chapters. Um, 
They lived in Jerusalem, and Jerusalem, again, was a, a city built in a place that was easily to protect and easy to fortify. And so what they did was um, they, they tried to defeat the city. It was probably one of the toughest cities that they had to defeat, and they just couldn't do it. And they're like, oh, what's the use? You know, I, we can't do this. The city's too tough, and we can't, you know, get in there. And, uh, you know, they just gave up. They couldn't do it for sure, but God could. And, um, again, we, we need to walk in faith. And sometimes it takes perseverance. Sometimes it's just tough going through the hard times when nothing's happening or it seems difficult or impossible and you're trying and trying and nothing's going on. And, and the Lord said, listen, I'll drive them all out. That was my promise. So you just got to trust me and walk in faith. But it seems at some point, and I don't know, maybe they didn't even go over there and try, or maybe they tried a little bit. It doesn't really tell us. But the bottom line is they gave up and just said, oh, okay, we're not going to worry about it. we got all this. It's okay. We're going to settle for this. We're not going to really do all that the Lord has for us. And that we'll see some cracks now in the armor, so to speak. Um, and Judah was the first one. Then chapter 16. So the lot fell to the children of Joseph by the Jordan, by Jericho, to the waters of Jericho in the east, and the wilderness that goes up from Jericho, through the mountains of Bethel, then went out from Bethel to Luz. And then it talks about, you know, all their borders there um, that the tribe of Ephraim had here. Now he's laying out some, some land for that. So again, back to our map, he was laying out the land now uh, of this area being Ephraim. And so he's calling out the borders of the land there and all those verses inside there. Um, in the last verse eight, the last sentence in verse eight of chapter 16 says, this was the inheritance of the tribe of the children of Ephraim according to their families. And, and so again, um, here they are. This is your land. You take it. How exciting. They're slaves. They never owned anything, never had anything. God lays them out. And he said, this is going to be your inheritance. And he gives it to them there. And then verse 9 says, Then separate uh, the separate cities of the children of Ephraim were among the inheritance of the children of Manasseh and all the cities with their villages. Verse 10, note this again. And they did not drive out the Canaanites who dwelt in Gezer, but the Canaanites dwell among the Ephraimites to this day and have become forced laborers. So this is what happened. The land's theirs. Now they take all their people. And, and again, I don't know how many there are. I'm just throwing a kind of a, a rough number out. Let's say there's 50,000 of them or, or something like that. And so they, or 75,000, you know, just some mag, order of magnitude. And they were to take this land and they were to, again, there was no more big armies, but there was towns and cities uh, that probably didn't have big full armies, but they had people that would fight if they tried to do something. The Lord said, listen, you need to continue. And Joshua told them, and Moses told them, I don't know how many times, you've got to make sure the land's cleared. You've got to get rid of everybody in there or it will cause you big problems. Now, God did let some stay that were walking in faith, like Rahab and her family, and I believe really the, 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 the whole group of the Gibeonites who kind of tricked them to make a treaty, but they knew that the Lord was stronger, and so the Lord allowed them to stay. But everybody else didn't have any faith, and, and the Lord knew again uh, and told them repeatedly, listen, uh, if you don't destroy all of it, it it's going it's to hurt you, and it's going uh, to turn on you. And 
again, the Lord never warns us needlessly. So what happened is, uh, at first, you know, there was some resistance, but as they settled there and got a little bit stronger, what they were able to do now, it, rather than force them out of the land, they, um, they, they just made them servants, workers, slaves, if you would. And, or, or they, you know, forced labor, I guess it didn't call them slaves, but they basically made them do work. So what they were thinking is, okay, at first it's kind of tough and they're resisting, but eventually they got strong enough. And then when they got strong enough, rather than uh, get rid of them and clear them out of the land, uh, what they do is um, they think, well, you know what? We really don't need to do that. We could just use those people. Yeah, we can use those people and it probably will be more profitable. They'll be able to do work our fields and do all these things. And man, it'll be, it'll be better for us if we just keep them around and use them as, as cheap labor, so to speak. You know, we could really use these people. They can work for us. We could do more. We can have more. And so they let them stay against what the Lord had told them, what Joshua had told them, what Moses had told them over and over again. And, and, and we will see very clearly in black and white in the next book called Judges um, exactly how bad it got because they didn't follow the Lord and how those people influenced God's people away from serving and doing the things of the Lord and moved them into, uh, you know, all, eventually going back to the way the land was before they they came into there and they paid a big price for that god kicked them out of the land so again we see all the problems and heartache and so much pain you know when we allow things of the world to stay in our lives and to affect us and remember we're bombarded by it every day i mean more and more every day it makes my head spin you know the whole digital uh world uh, it's just getting more and more and growing and a huge thing and and it's just, uh, it, it gets darker and darker to me. I, I don't know how that all fits in. And I even get to the point where I just kind of, you know, I read about it, but uh, it's just, it's tougher. The world is going to be attacking us from everything. And people can't turn off their phones. They can't be away from their phones for five minutes. You know, um, I was talking to, to a good brother even who, um, you know, uh, went away for a couple of days, and he said, one of the things I did is I, I just needed to unplug. I needed to get away from my phone. And uh, it, it just always checking, always doing this, there's always something. And, and uh, you know, it, it's just becoming a huge deal in people's lives. They, they have to be constantly on them, and they can't be away from them. And all that influence is coming in, and it affects us. And we just need to be careful. We have story after story after story after story after story, example after example after example in the Bible of people that let the, the world influence them, God's people, and, and how bad it turned out for them. We just need to be careful. They just thought, oh, this will work out good for us. It'll be great. They'll work for us. We'll get ahead. And the Lord says, no, I told you no over and over again. It's going to be terrible for you. And they're going to pay a terrible price, and we'll read it in the book of Judges. But um, we see here, not listening is going to cause some big problems. Well, verse 5 just talks about the ten shares that fell to Manasseh beside the land of Gilead and Basham, which were on the other side of Jordan. And because 
um, let's go back. Because of the daughters of Manasseh received their inheritance among the sons, and the rest of Manasseh's sons had the land of Gilead. And in the territory of Manasseh there was Asher and Michmethath that lies south of Shechem on the border along the inhabitants of, of Entabauah. Manasseh had the land of Tabauah. Tabauah. Tapua? How's that? But Tapua was at the border of Manasseh, belonged to the children of Ephraim. And the border descended from the brook Ka'a, south of the brook, and the cities of Ephraim were among the cities of Manasseh. And the border of Manasseh was on the north side of the brook and ended at the sea. So we're lining out some of those things. And uh, southward, it gave the hilly regions in the north, and his territory was adjoining Asher, and uh, you can see the towns there, and he gave them all that. And that lists that, and uh, let's go to that slide again. So we're looking at Manasseh over here. That's these guys. They're getting all this land here. We'll, we'll visit them in a little bit, but they're getting all this territory there. Again, outlining the territory from the ocean to the river to the south, and uh, gave them what they had there. And then verse 12 says, Yet the children of Manasseh could not drive out the inhabitants of those cities, but the Canaanites were determined to dwell in the land. And it happened when the children of Israel grew strong that they put the Canaanites to forced labor, but did not utterly drive them out. So again, the same story is here with Ephraim. They were settling for so much less. They couldn't drive them out at first, but as the Lord promised, they soon could, but when they could, they didn't. And again, keeping all those people with a bad influence in their lives just caused all sorts of hot heartache. And, and they just kind of settled for less. You know, maybe we have that attitude at times. Well, it's enough. I've done enough. That's good enough. I'm okay. And then they get to the point, well, did God really say that? You know, if you ever in your own mind start saying, well, did God really say that? You know that Satan right there in the garden, just as he did with Eve, saying, did God really say not to eat this? Questioning God's word. We know where that comes from, and we just need to be careful with that. Because if you start thinking, well, did God really say that? That's a line that's, boy, repeated as a big warning. Boop, boop, flashing red lights should go off. Did God really say that? Mm, you know where that's coming from. That's from the devil straight out of his mouth. And that's kind of what they get to. Oh, did God really say we really need to get rid of all of it? All of them? Can't we just keep some of it? Can't we just do this? I mean, really, you think God's going to be upset with that? Well, you know how it turned out for them, sadly. And then verse 14, then the children of Joseph spoke to Joshua saying, we have, uh, why have you given us only one lot and one share to inherit since we are a great people inasmuch as the Lord has blessed us until now? So Joshua answered them, well, if you're a great people, then go up to the forest country and clear a place for yourself there in the land of the Perizzites and of the giants since the mountains of Ephraim are too confined for you. So they come to him and said, you know, hey, Joshua, you know, we're growing. We need more land. He says, okay, you think you need more land? Joshua said, go for it. Here's what you do. 
Go to work. Go get some. Go out and take it. Whip some giants. Clear some trees. What we do? What do we want to really accomplish in our lives for the Lord? You want more? Go get it. You, you know, I, I can do that. Go get it. Clear the forest. Whip those giants. There's a lot to do. And that's what he's telling them. You want more? There's much to do. And then they answered in verse 16, but the children of Joseph said, the mountain country is not enough for us. And all the Canaanites who dwell in the land of the valley have chariots of iron, both those who are of Beth Shean and the towns and those who are in the valley of Jezreel. Yeah, okay, Joshua, you said go get it, but when we go out there, you know, it won't come easy. It's going to be too hard. You know, they, they're tough, they're strong, they have iron chariots. It's going to be too much, too much work. It's not going to come easy. Or this ministry is going to be too hard. Nobody's doing this and nobody's doing that and I have to do this. You know, sometimes we want great things from the Lord and he says, okay, go do it. But all too often we give up way too soon because it isn't happening or it isn't working out the way we thought or it should. And so, oh, it's just too hard. The Lord says, take it. You want to do it? Great. I want to do great things in you. Oh, but I don't know. It's going to be too hard and too tough and, and all this stuff. And, and they're already given up because they think it's going to be just too difficult or too much work. And usually that just stops so many people. It's too much work. It's too hard. It's not working out. It's not working out in the time I wanted or the way I thought. But I like Joshua, when they say that, verse 17, And Joshua spoke to the house of Joseph, to Ephraim and Manasseh, saying, You are a great people, and have great power. You shall not, only, not, shall not have only one lot, but the mountain country shall be yours. Although it is wooded, you shall cut it down, and the farthest extent shall be yours. For you shall drive out the Canaanites, though they have iron chariots and are strong." And like Joshua here, even though they're discouraged, even though they're down, Joshua encouraged them, say, hey, you can do it. Trust the Lord. Do the work. You got it. You can do this. The Lord's for you. Stay faithful. You know, I guess we have to ask ourselves the same kind of question. Am I enjoying the inheritance of the Lord? Am I still moving forward? Or have I given up because things have gotten too hard or too difficult or not happening. You know, we got to be careful. Because just like them, we could give up, sell ourselves short, get into a place where we had some victories, and then we kind of just do our own thing and don't listen to what the Lord has to say. Let me remind you of this in closing. I, I want to just show you this map because I think it gives us a good perspective. Here's that land of that map we just saw right here. And as you can see, you know, here's Egypt. Uh, modern-day Turkey, Greece, there's Italy. See the boot over here, right? Gives you the Mediterranean. Spain would be up there, right? Um, and all the North African nations. Okay, so you get the idea. So this is what, what he's laying out for them there. This is a kind of a blow-up of that, but he wanted to give them and told them they could have all this land. This is the Euphrates River. You could have all this. This was the land that he was going to give them. All the way over here. That way they'd have a lot of oil today if they just did it. <laughs> but he said, this is what you want. These guys settled, and it'll even be smaller than this. This is the boundaries, and some of the boundaries they haven't even taken because they didn't want to do it. 
But, but they had a hard time even with this. But the Lord said, listen, this is what I have for you. How much do you want to take? And most of them said, well, I'm okay with this little thing here. I'm good enough. That's good. I'm not going to step out and walk in faith anymore. But the Lord had so much more for them. I mean, here it is on the, on the bigger screen, but a bigger shot, I should say. But this was going to be their land that he had promised to them. It was a huge amount. And they only took up, you know, 10% of what the Lord had. And uh, we just always need to move forward and trust the Lord and not give up when the iron chariot seemed to be pounding against us. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time, Lord, that we get to look at these things and be reminded of them. We ask, Lord, that you would bless them to our hearts, Lord, that we'd be faithful to the end, Lord. Move aside the influences that would, would Lord, take us in the wrong direction and influence us in the wrong way, Father. Help us to put them away, Father. Walk in faith, move forward, and trust you, Lord. For we ask this in Jesus' name.